And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And uh, I understand we've got a motorcycle theme and a race-type uh, athletic theme this week and excited about it. And we're going to incorporate some of Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 here this week in Vacation Bible School. And uh, I'm thankful to be a part of it this week. Appreciate you, Pastor, having me. And the nursery workers, if they can hear me, or if I don't see them, I, I sure appreciate them. I've got two youngins, and they've been in and out of the nursery some. Uh, typically, they go from the nursery to a straight jacket and a padded room and a NyQuil drip somewhere, most churches. And uh, But I've worked the nursery. But I'm just wondering, how many of you men have never worked the nursery? Would you raise your hand? A couple of you. Very good. And I understand some men, they, just, they, they won't allow you to be in there. And uh, I, I get that. But my, my wife and I, we got married in 2011. We was barely off our honeymoon. And my wife said to me, we're going to work the nursery. You're a preacher, and you're going to work the nursery. So when you get up there and you really feel like the Spirit's in the service and you're waffling on for three hours, you know what it's like to be on the front lines of the nursery down here. <laughs> and uh, crying babies, tired babies, uh, Diapers fully saturated and ready for World War III and all that sort of stuff. But anyhow, let's get to the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse number 2. Looking unto who, church? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Who, who are we looking unto? Jesus. Jesus. Very good. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, moment by moment meditation, on God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider Him. Just like some of you have already considered Father's Day meal, lunch. Some of you are really thinking about it now that it's free, right? Man, what am I going to order? Forget that diet. We won't worry about the cholesterol today. You, you've been meditating. You're thinking on it. I, I like a good prime rib, blackened. Uh, you know, about 12 ounces. And back in West Virginia, we call that a queen cut. A king cut is like 16 or 18 ounces. And uh, blackened, just juicy. I mean, I, I get to meditate and I get to thinking on it right now. And I think about it too long, my tongue is going to slap my brain just thinking about it. For consider him, moment by moment meditation. Not just kind of an in-out thing, not just a Sunday morning thing, not just a revival uh, series of meetings. Consider Him. No, consider Him, Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners. Can you imagine that? An infinite God being hounded, hunted, pounded on by finite creatures. Like you and I. I mean, literally, they, they take his head covering and put it over the Lord Jesus Christ's head so he, he couldn't see. And men would walk up and bust him in the face with their fist and then remove that blanket type thing off his head and say, Now prophesy, which one of these soldiers just hit you in the face? Can you imagine that? 
For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I've come to preach to you this morning uh, from verse number two, simply looking unto Jesus. It's simply put, looking unto Jesus. When I die, I don't know when that's going to be, but whenever I die, and people get up and stand up and say whatever they're going to say or put whatever on the tombstone, I would like for them to say that Chase Witten's theology could be boiled down to two words, Jesus Christ. Just simply looking unto Jesus Christ, my theology. I just want it to be Jesus Christ. You say, oh, it's got to be much more than that. The doctrine that we believe as Bible-believing Christians is all centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author of the Word, isn't he? I mean, he, he, he's authored the Word of God and he's authored our salvation. We'll look at that in chapter 5 in just a moment, if the Lord will. And, uh, but simply put this morning, looking unto Jesus. Now, we live in a very crazy world, don't we? Very kooky world. And uh, you don't have to read the headlines. You don't have to watch Fox News. You don't have to fly to Las Vegas or St. Louis or go to London to find out that we live in a crazy, confused, kooky world. And some people would look at this crowd this morning and say, you're old-fashioned. You're stuck in that Victorian era. Here you all got a Bible open and a man standing up and reading the Word of God and is going to explain the Word of God and apply the Word of God and then y'all going to have an invitation at the end and y'all go through all of that religious ceremony and tradition and you know, Jesus, He was just a good moral figure from history. He's not really the Savior of mankind. That's the kind of thing you hear in our day and age. And somebody may wonder, why would you look unto Jesus? Or somebody, you may have a friend or family member, and after today, God willing, after this morning meeting, you can tell somebody why you're looking unto Jesus. And it's simply laid out here in verse number 2, and I'm going to give you the outline, then we're going to preach it. Why would we look unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Number one, because of who He is. Number two, because of what He has done. And number three, what He is doing right now. Looking unto Jesus still matters no matter how long you've been saved. Uh, years ago, back in the 1800s, there was a little boy. He was going off to one church and it came in quite the snow. And it doesn't normally snow in England. I lived there uh, for uh, some time of my life. And they don't get a lot of snow, but they do get some snow. And little Charles Haddon decided he was not going to be able to make it off to the church that he was going to go to. And he turned into uh, Hythe Hill Street in Colchester. And he turned into an old primitive Methodist church. And there was a layman up preaching from Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22. And the layman in the church just kept repeating this verse. And the verse says this, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And the layman in the church, he wasn't even the scheduled preacher for that night. The other preacher couldn't make it and this layman got up and he preached from this verse. And as the man was up preaching, little Charles Haddon Spurgeon made his way in and sat over on about this side of the church building. I've been in that very church building where he was converted. And he heard this man preach from this very verse. And the man was up preaching and he's saying, look unto Christ Christ. 
Look at him there hanging on the cross. Look at the crowd mocking him. Look at the blood flowing from his body. Look at the crown of thorns upon his brow. Look at the nails pierced in his hands and feet. Look at him there hanging. And at the end of the service, Mr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon got gloriously saved. As a 12-year-old boy from the stickweeds of Jumping Branch, West Virginia, I was back out on a mountain. It was called Light of the World Christian Day Camp. We got on an old bus about 8 o'clock in the morning and drove way down off one mountain through Hinton, West Virginia, on Interstate 64 to the Green Sulphur exit, got off there and went back through the mountains, and the road went from pavement to gravel way back out on this mountain, and we unloaded from Old Diller, and we had Bible class and games and snacks and all this sort of stuff, and I had a really good time. I mainly went because there were some pretty little girls that went to camp. It was just a day camp. We get there about 9 o'clock, and we stay till about 2 o'clock and go home. Well, my pastor, Bill Fox, was up preaching one day. And I'd really gotten nervous being around Bill Fox because when I was 10 years of age, a well-meaningful lady at the end of a, a, a service one day, I got to talking to her, and she said, Would you like to be saved? And it was basically like this, One, two, three, pray after me. And she was a well-meaningful lady. I recited a few words that day, and I left there, and I told some folk I got saved. I even told my pastor, and he said, well, if you got saved, you, uh, then you're a candidate for believer's baptism. We can baptize you. I said, well, it sounds pretty good. I'll get baptized. And you know, I know without a shadow of doubt that the day I got baptized, I was not saved. I knew I prayed a prayer that day, but there had not been one ounce of a change in my life. I mean, I was 10 years old. I, I knew this, but I'd already told some people I got saved, so I had to keep telling the story. Yeah, I got saved. Yeah, yeah, I've been baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. And I was 12 years old, back at this, at this camp. My pastor, Bill Fox, preaching the Word of God. And I, I come under what people call Holy Ghost conviction. Y'all understand that language, right? I started weeping. And then I started snotting. And all those pretty little girls there that day, it, it didn't matter. Snot was flowing out of my nose, tears running down my face. And hell became so real. Heaven became so sweet. I realized that Jesus Christ was the only thing that was going to save me. And I'd been living a lie. Pastor finished his sermon. All those pretty little girls, they left. All my buddies, they left. One of them's a doctor here in Arden, North Carolina now, Evan Ellison. They all left. And my pastor came over to me. He said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm not saved. That day I got gloriously born again. Looking unto Jesus, here's the secret, is not just a one-time event. Spurgeon, converted as a young boy, hearing a man preach, look unto me, look unto me, and be ye saved, for I am God and there is none else, saved as a young boy. I was saved as a 12-year-old boy. But looking unto Jesus is not just a one-time event. It's a way of life. So many people get saved as a teenager. My wife was saved at five, and I believe young people can get saved. My wife was saved at five. She's still saved today. Praise God. And uh, young people can get saved. But so many people get saved at a young age, and then they just take their eyes off Jesus. You talking about our physical eyes? No, I'm talking about your spiritual eyes of faith gazing one way towards Christ. The book of Hebrews, as I said in the Sunday school class this morning, 
It seems like these three verses right here almost summarize the book of, of uh, Hebrews here. And we'll, we'll get into that just a little bit there this morning. Uh, but looking unto Jesus, I hope you write that down. If I say it 50 more times and repeat myself, you say, well, he's just repeating himself. When you leave here and somebody calls you and asks you, what did the preacher preach on today? Or you're at Longhorn Steakhouse and somebody, the waiter says to you, what did the preacher preach? They're probably going to ask you a question. But what did the preacher preach on? And he said, he preached looking unto Jesus. Can we just say that phrase, looking unto Jesus, on the count of three? One, two, three. That's pretty good for Episcopalians. We're Baptists, right? I know we ain't got no fried chicken this morning. Y'all get a little more excited than that, right? It's vacation Bible school week. We got to work here in a little bit at four o'clock. One, two, three. All right, very good. Looking unto Jesus. Number one, why do we look unto Jesus? Because of who he is. Look at it in your Bible there. In verse number two, the Bible says that he is the author and finisher of our, what church? Faith. I'm glad that word is singular, faith. Because if it was plural, the word faith would not have any validity. Singular. Jude. Take any chapter you want. Earnestly contend for the faith. Singular. The Bible says that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What does that phrase, what does that expression mean? It means that Jesus Christ is the pioneer, the originator of our faith. Of the Word of God itself, 66 book, 39 Old Testament, 27 New, 1,189 chapters in the Word of God. I know it was not uh, written like that in the original Hebrew and Greek and chapter and verse divisions, but I'm thankful that they are in the Word of God because if they were not there, we'd all still be looking for Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2 this morning. But He is the author and finisher of our faith, He's the captain of our salvation. He is the one that has made it all possible. Revelation says that he was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So from eternity past to eternity future, it has always been in the heart of God that Jesus Christ would leave the glories of heaven and come to a sin-cursed earth. Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son in a perfect moment in time of all of history. God sent his Son to this earth. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Would you look for just a moment in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 9. If you'll turn there, it will encourage us all to hear your pages turn in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 9. Just to compare Scripture with Scripture here this morning. Hebrews chapter 5 verse number 9. The Bible says in connection to Hebrews 12 verse number 2. And being made perfect... He became the author of what, church? Eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You know, some people want to author their own salvation. They they want to write it out. They want to plan it out. If I could lose my salvation, I would. My salvation is kept the same way I got it. God gave it to me through His Son, the Lord Jesus. In my neck of the woods in in, uh, Jumping Branch, West Virginia, we have a lot of people that treat God as if He is a probationary officer in heaven. 
As long as you're a good boy, you get to keep your salvation. But if you're a bad boy, you lose your salvation. But I have yet to find one individual that can tell me what sin or how much sin causes you to lose your salvation. Right here in the book of Hebrews, it refers to Jesus Christ, the one we're looking to for salvation, calls him the author and finisher of our faith and says that he is the author of eternal salvation. Now eternal, how long is that? Forever, right? Forever and forever. I I haven't been able to find a perfect illustration for eternity. In fact, the word of God says that God is the one that inhabits eternity. Isaiah teaches us that. He is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Only Jesus can author our eternal salvation. I'm thankful for that. I mean, you imagine Jesus Christ leaving the glories of heaven and coming to a sin-cursed earth. When he was born here, Herod hated him. In fact, Herod put out this decree and said, all these boys under a certain age, I want you to take them and I want you to kill them. Could you imagine who has a nine-month-old baby? Who was it? Somebody around here. James or Jason, Johnny, Jimmy, we'll get it right in a moment, has a nine-month-old baby. Could you imagine Roman soldiers coming and breaking through his door and his wife being at home taking care of the little baby? He's out working. Roman soldiers bust through the door, rip that little baby out of her arms and kill him. I mean, that's, that's how much Herod hated him. He left the glories of heaven to come to this earth. And from a little child, he's hated. He performs miracles. He heals blinded eyes. He touches lepers. He feeds multitudes. He he calms the raging storms. He goes to Calvary's cross to bleed and die for the sins of mankind hanging between heaven and earth. His first words from the cross were words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. For the first time and the only time in all of eternity, the triune Godhead was separated as Jesus Christ cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ went through the wrath of a thrice holy, sin-hating God for you and I. And some people feel like they're going to author their own salvation. Some people feel like they've got to work for it, earn it, and get merit with God, and earn a certain rank or privilege to be granted through those pearly gates. My friend, it's impossible. Jesus is the author of our eternal salvation. So why should we look at the Lord Jesus Christ? Because of who he is, the author and finisher of our faith. Number two, because of what he has done. Would you look at it there and come back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse number two. As we look at what he has done, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus, hanging on the cross, nails through his hands and feet, crown of thorns pressed upon his brow. The dear darling Lamb of God hanging on that cruel cross. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, who for the joy that was set before him. My little son gets hurt riding his scooter. 
My heart hurts. Little Ruby, four years old, she's a little tougher than him, but she still cries and falls and all that sort of stuff. When she, she, when she falls or something gets hurt, man, my, my heart hurts for her. A few years ago, right after vacation Bible school, had an incredible vacation Bible school, <clears throat> just a couple of days after it, she took off running down the hallway. She fell into something, cut her ear wide open right through the cartilage, and she came running back down the hallway crying and blood all over the place. Her ears split open. And I thought, man, I don't think I can duct tape this one. This is my daughter. And I've put duct tape on several things before. And I thought, I'm going to have to take her. She's got to have stitches for this. But, man, my heart hurt for her. Think about Jesus hanging on the cross. It's not a beautiful scene. It's a bloody scene. The devil thinks he's about to win. All the hellhounds... They're rejoicing. An angry crowd, a mob crowd, men working up a big ball of saliva in their mouth come and they they spit in the face of the Son of God. How many of you men would get a little bit upset if some other grown man spit in your face? They're mocking him. If you truly be the Son of God, save thyself and come down off of that cross. Why do we look at Jesus? Because of who He is and what He has done. He took all of your sin. He took all of my sin. He took all of Adolf Hitler's sin. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever lived He took all of their sin upon himself. And here we are. I got saved way back when. and Yeah, I'm just trying to ride this thing out and all. I'm just relaxing to be raptured. I used to serve him. I used to live for him. My friend, we've got to read these words again. Looking. Looking away from yourself, away from your situation, away from your excuses. Looking one way under the Son of God, Jesus Christ, where we see Him and Him only because of who He is and what He has done. We can't earn our salvation. We can't work for it. He has done everything and made everything possible to author our salvation. When you think about throwing your marriage away, teenager, when you think about dabbling in this or that, you know you should never touch or look at. You think about what Christ has done. Some preacher years ago once said, the quickest way to go blind in the Christian life is to take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at the Lord Jesus Christ because of who He is, what He has done. And the number three this morning, notice here, despising the shame... And is, what's that next little three-letter word, church? Set. Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Preacher, a moment ago you said these three verses almost summarize the book of Hebrews. And this is what really triggered me the other day. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is set down at the right hand. He's seated. Well, when you read the Old Testament and then you read Hebrews, you find that those Old Testament priests, their work was never finished. 
They didn't get to sit down. Day after day, year after year, sacrifice had to be made. Atonement had to be made. How many of you ever hear this term, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? You've heard that? Okay, four of you. Very good. Finished work of Christ. It means he is seated at the right hand of the Father, displaying an imaging, an expression of power and authority. But here is the, 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 the thing that really gripped me about it. That Old Testament priest, his work was never finished. The, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, his work is finished. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But what is he doing right now? Interceding. Man, that encouraged my heart. Man, that, that revived me to think before I, I ever got out of bed this morning. Jesus was praying for me. We talk about our, uh, the model prayer, Jesus' prayer, and people go to Matthew. No, 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 go to John 17, that high priestly prayer. You wondering what Jesus is praying for you? Read John chapter number 17. Uh, Jesus knows about your marriage. He knows about your motives. He knows about your misery. He knows all of the mess in your life. And rest assured this morning, knowing as a child of God because of who he is, what he has done, and what he's doing right now, he's praying for you. When you're not even on your own prayer list, Jesus is praying for you. He is set down, look at that, at the right hand of the throne of God. And you can read more in the book of Hebrews about his priestly work. All those Old Testament priests, man, they're, they're working day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. But the blood of bulls and goats would not take care of of an eternal sacrifice. Look look here in Hebrews chapter 9. We've got to read this. It's all so good. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's turn back a page or two. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11. I, I, I love this. Hebrews 9, verse number 11. But Christ, being come in and a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Well, I like that word eternal. You can study the book of Hebrews about eternity and eternal things all through the book of Hebrews. Verse number 13, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer and sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh. Notice verse number 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And it's good. Notice, drop, drop down to verse number 15. What's the last two words of verse number 15, church? Internal inheritance. Why do we look at Jesus in a world that's gone kooky and crazy and they're confused about every imaginable thing? Why are we looking to the Lord Jesus Christ because of who He is, what He has done, and what He's doing right now? Because in Him we have an eternal inheritance. Oh. You tell them, 
Son, it's not your name, it's not your blood, it's not your life, it's not your righteousness that's going to get you onto that street of gold, but it's going to be His name, it's going to be His life, it's going to be His righteousness, it's going to be His goodness, it's going to be His grace, it's going to be His mercy. He will welcome you into the family of God if you put your faith and trust where God puts your sin. Where did God put my sin? He put it on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I claim by faith the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ and here I am 35 years old and I want to look unto Jesus not just as a 12 year old boy as a one time event but I want to look to him because in Christ my inheritance it's never going to fade it's never going to falter it's never going to perish it's never going to expire it's never going to run out the question is this morning where are you looking Are you looking to Jesus?